All information contained in this podcast is general in nature and does not consider your individual circumstances. You should consider the appropriateness of this information with regards to your individual objectives, financial situation, and needs. Welcome to Sharing More Than The Sheets, a podcast to help you and your partner make better financial and lifestyle decisions so that you can both focus on the things that you love. I'm your host, Michael Curry, financial planner, green thumb, husband, and just dad. This episode is part of a series where I interview experts on various areas around mental health. If you or someone you know is in crisis and needs help now, call 000 Lifeline on 13 11 14 or Beyond Blue on 1300 22 46 36 anytime for support and advice. As we discuss mental health, there are many different previous experiences in our lives that can dictate the way that we approach new experiences or even life itself. Today, I've invited Phoebe Wilson, lecturer and coordinator in the lived experience and peer workforce to discuss this topic because I would love to discuss breaking through old patterns. Phoebe, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks very much for having me. You know, before we get into this topic, I'd love to hear a little bit about your background. Um, I know this is an area that you're so, so passionate about because to me as an advisor, for example, you know, we talk about money, which is one part of our life, but there's, and even when it comes to money, there are so many different previous experiences in someone's life that can dictate the way we manage money. And taking money out of it altogether and looking at things broadly, there are so many different experiences that we go through in our lives that ex- that dictate the way that we approach certain things that happen to us today or certain climates or environments that we can be in. First of all, if you can just start by introducing yourself to those that haven't heard about you and the work that you do. Yeah, sure. Thanks. Uh, so currently the working as a lecturer, it's the mental health and peer workforce. So it's using your lived experience to help facilitate recovery and hope for individuals that may be going through their own mental health challenges or drug and alcohol challenges. And I, I, I guess I can take it back a little bit. And prior to that, I was working as an ambulance paramedic and became unwell with post-traumatic stress through seeing one too many things. And it was a sort of a stage in my life where it really propelled me forward with really looking inward at uh, not only the PTSD but a lot of things that were impacting the way that I would react to general life, whether it be relationships, whether it would be family scenarios, um, et cetera, et cetera. So it was a huge journey of self-discovery and which led into working in community service when I was well enough again to work one-on-one with individuals um, in, in crisis. And through that and through learning about people's responses and, again, doing a lot more work on myself through different mindset coaches, through a little bit of NLP, through schema therapy, through through to um, attachment styles, all kinds of things, we, I sort of came to the conclusion the amount of self-awareness that one can can have and then accountability is the thing that really does change your future. And I think that there's through, I guess, through that space that there's a lot of people who tend to want to try and play it safe and they create patterns in their life that we can, I guess, talk to a little bit more in, in a minute, but um, that keep 
people safe and then keep people small or don't elaborate um, or don't, sorry, facilitate the capacity to actually make big changes in their life. So I'm really passionate because I really see a lot of potential in people and I really want to see people be the best versions of themselves. So that's, I guess, the crux of why I like I now lecture in this area. Yeah, and even just for me, like not knowing about this topic and, I mean, just thinking about the concept that previous experiences or any experience in our life can have such a significant effect on future ones, it just blows my mind because when I think about it, I mean, it's normally subconscious, isn't it? Subconscious, like people – most people don't realize sometimes that they may be doing things in certain ways. 100%. We're doing, we, we're running on, we are running on old pattern behavior that we, that is just a normal way of functioning because that's why, way we've done it. Our brains are wired to keep us safe, even if it creates adverse reactions, whether or not that would be the same arguments that you're having with your, your partner, whether that be this, even you, and your money habits, whether that would be going, oh, I, I need to save, I need to save, and then like, oh, but look at those new pair of shoes or Louis Vuitton bag or whatever, and then create that enormous amount of debt or, or whatever. You know, it's it's pattern behaviour and then you go into a bit of a shame and all of that sort of stuff. And in, in the under, underneath all of that, there's um, reasons for that self-sabotaging behaviour. And um, it's quite interesting once you start working really closely with individuals, you can generally bring it down to some very unique old core wounds that we all have that usually are around um, I'm not good enough, um, there's elements of rejection, all kinds of things that as children when we were growing up, usually this happens in those early years, that um, we start to, when, we, when we're children, we operate from a very egotistical mindset. So when, say, you're a little girl, you're showing your mum a drawing, she's cooking dinner, she's really, really busy and overwhelmed, she's had a massive day at work and the daughter's trying to show her a picture of the cat and you, the mother's like, oh, yeah, no worries, that's great, and just sort of disregards it. Now, that child has a tendency because of the ego way of thinking is like, I'm not good enough. Mum doesn't love me. She didn't like my drawing. And it's in that instant that that can actually happen. And then that's then embedded almost within our psyche that then initiates some poor behaviour like later on in life. So, yeah. And in what times are these things normally uncovered? Like is there, are there some common scenarios that you think somebody would actually realise, hey, there is something underlying here? Um I think that's a really good question and one that can open up a huge can of worms, so to speak, because it's not until you are ready for that level of self-awareness within yourself and accountability to sort of go, hang on a second, this, the world's not happening to me, I'm co-creating my my own life. Uh, and so then you have to go inward and go, well, nothing changes if nothing changes and then then make the decision to go and look deeper into maybe why you're behaving in certain ways or why there's repeat behaviour, whether that's you're dating the same type of person that's facilitating the same sort of result or, again, like I said, you know, going through this money sort of, you know, cycle of um, overspending, for example. But that can be done potentially with... Um, I guess an array of resources you can um, anyone who's I guess is trustworthy in this space who, who sort of knows who they're doing and usually you, you're looking at your psychologists and maybe a little bit of mindset coaches and things out there just be careful with who you go to around that because you 
um, definitely want to get um, referrals or references to people who can work through those, breaking down those barriers. But there's a lot of things that you can probably do even um, listening to podcasts, for example, and reading some. There's lots of really good resources out there to read that I've, I've definitely picked on um, some really good tools through books. So, yeah. And I love that you mentioned being ready for a level of self-awareness because you're right. It's like that old saying that the first step is to admit that you need help. Mm. But in this case, it's the first step is to acknowledge or be willing to acknowledge that you're willing to change or to look at yourself and ask these questions. Because sometimes ego can kick in. Mm. um, I guess someone can be in denial or because of these things, one can just get discouraged yeah, 100%. I've been, um, I ca- I've been, I came across, sorry, I'm trying to find my words, um, this really good saying the other day by a mentor of mine and, and they said, do you want to be right or do you want to get results? And I think that's something that I am really um, loving to self-reflect on. Uh, even I can sort of, I guess, be a bit vulnerable in this space and talk about my relationship with my mum that can be quite um, volatile in terms of, we can erupt, we can trigger each other really quickly. And it's sort of at the end of the day, the only person that I can control in that relationship is myself. My mum's 72. I can't expect that a, a tiger's going to try like change their stripes at 72. She's embedded in the way that she does things and that's okay. So when I want to try and change the, the relationship between the two of us and be less heated and less argumentative, I'm the one who has to change and I have to probably do things that maybe set aside my own values or beliefs around this whole thing just to enable a more effective relationship between the two of us. So, yeah, you do have to put ego aside and you do have to sort of go to the core of it, like what do I actually want to achieve in this space? And, like, that's when I come back to do I want to be right or do I want to get a resp- like a result? And even on that note, by you doing that, it probably changes her behaviour anyway. One hundred percent, yeah. Because she's going to start to, um, she'll, she will actually start to respond differently as well. And when we talk about relationships, and I mean this podcast is all about, you know, sharing more than the sheets. It's all about you know sharing different things, sharing emotions, and there are many, so many different parts of a relationship. But I mean, the other day we had a one of our episodes as part of the series was with Professor Ian Hickey, and we talked about the effect that you know a relationship can have on mental health and the the relationship between those two facets and at this point i ask you what can what effect can this have on someone's relationship or even getting into a relationship you know having previous experiences oh michael how long's a piece of string like this is <laughs> this is usually something that i can um, work with with my um, private clients um, for an hour on you know but at, at the end of the day huge it, it it hugely impacts the way that you you relate to other people are there even some common scenarios that you see regularly or some patterns where previous experiences affect someone yeah even getting into a relationship or or having a real relationship or, or taking it to the next level yeah, definitely. We can look at the the attachment styles, and um, there's some common attachment styles. And look, I'm not a, a specialist in this area, but we we have these uh, we have attachment styles based on the type of attachment pattern that we had with our close caregivers as we grew up. So, if you had um, a safe, secure relationship type style, you generally will 
initiate that later on in life. And then you've got sort of more of the, um, I guess, un- more undesirable type patterns and, and you've kind of got your anxious avoidant, you're anxious uh, we've, we don't have a lot of time to be able to go through all of these, these, but effectively, depending on the, the type of relationship that you had with your caregiver can initiate the type of relationship and effectively the dance that you might do with your partner. And a lot of common ones I see is the anxiously attached person tending to get attached to an anxious avoidant type style and the listeners out there if you want a little bit more information just have a bit of a google search and you can do a little bit of a free quiz here and there with a couple of different websites and you can probably do a little bit of inward work there to see where you might sit but these two sort of tend to mirror each other so the attach the anxious attachment person will sort of tends to chase and when the avoidant person feels that chase they tend to pull away so then then the anxious person tends to chase more and you've got these sort of patterns and it becomes you know it might be something to do with like the level of ghosting that's going around and stuff with online dating etc I mean, like we do not have enough time to go through this, but it definitely impacts the way that people relate based on those core things. And then, of course, like our schemas that um, Jeffrey Young's maladaptive schemas that are really around um, uh, our, our negative core beliefs that we kind of have. Like I said, that that it gave that example around the the young girl with a mother that we have these embedded things around I'm not good enough or fear of those rejection fear of rejection. And it, it's their core wounds, Michael, that really still rear, rear their ugly face sometimes that bring out some really poor behaviour within people um, that impact the relationships around us, or like that you're especially in intimate relationships. And sometimes I've sat in a space when I've um, been single in the last two years and sort of seen some of these in self-reflection of behaviours that's come out with me and I sort of have sat there and I'm like, okay, cool, that person hasn't actually done anything. I've created this story, so let's just sit with that for a while. So I would go within and sort of go, okay, in this reflection, like where is this actually coming from? And if you sit still enough, I actually went in and I would find that time that when I was younger that I felt rejection or I felt whatever with my dad or my mum, with whatever it was, and then went, oh, there it is. That's where that call wounds from. Thanks for showing me that. And I will tell you, in an instant, that all that pain and everything or whatever the emotion I was feeling at the time actually disappeared. So that level of self-awareness is so, so amazing if you can if you can really work towards something like that. These podcasts have been brought to you by Better Financial Planning Australia. To book a free 15-minute phone chat, visit betterfinancialplanning.com.au. And I know this is a topic that you could honestly talk about for hours, but I think what you've said is so important. And the reason, if there's anything I've heard people get out of, even just from this episode, the the message is that you need to be open um, and be willing to work on that self-improvement. And secondly, to, to just open the door and discover these things, because a lot of these issues can exist, like what you said earlier, um, on a day-to-day basis and some people may not even realize this and I know this is a very hard question to answer um, but if two people have in particular you know preconceived behaviors or which they certain (laughs) you you can call it emotional baggage but you know certain 
previous lived experiences which can which aren't compatible and for example those two you mentioned earlier would you say that there is no chance of their relationship working secondly would you say that it's going to be an uphill struggle or would you say that it's something they can both work on so yeah absolutely and i was just thinking while we've we're we're um, we were talking that the strategies around it is, first of all, is the level of accountability or the self-awareness of knowing how you're operating and what is causing this behaviour or, like, the causal factor of your behaviour. Behavior. And then from there, depending on where you're at in your relationship with an individual, being able to facilitate a conscious conversation with that individual and verbally sort of express things with your partner to say, hey, when you do this, this is what happens within me and I know that I have to own my response in this but just to let you know that's what's happened with me and sometimes having those really just soft, gentle, non-emotive, non-angry, non-needing-to-be-right conversation effectively with your partner can give that relationship the capacity to, to talk at a real deeper level with trust and also increases the self-awareness as as a couple rather than just an individual as well. And that would be a strategy that I would suggest, but both people do need to be on board with that. And it's not about shutting it down with the idea that your partner may not be up to it, If, but I would definitely start to try and give it a go, even if it's just a little bit of a gentle start to it. But yeah, I'd encourage that. So really, it's about how it's managed from both sides. Mm. And if both sides are willing to do that, because I think it's like in any relationship, they say it takes two to tango. And if one person's willing to work on these things and the other is not, then yeah, it's probably a lost cause. But if both people work on it and they're, they're increasing their chances of having a sustainable and healthy relationship together. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, 100%. And what are some things that people can do? What are, what are some resources that some may be able to tap into, some tips and strategies that couples can do or even as individuals to try to uncover or realize some of this old pattern behavior? Um, I mean, you mentioned a few such as, you know, self-sabotaging, not feeling good enough, elements of rejection. And I know seeing a good coach helps or even a friend that can just ask the right questions and be there to listen. But can you recommend any books um, or any places or any resources that people can seek or, or tap into if they're after some help? Yes, absolutely. And I was going to say to you, I'll give you a book list because off the top of my head right now, I'm 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 struggling. But I know that Brene Brown is um, her her books are quite incredible with um, that level of self awareness and conscious conversations and things. Um, Esther Perel is also, she's obviously amazing in this space with the relationship element, um, and being really truthful and honest around, um, having those honest conversations with yourself. But I think the first thing is really, and Michael, I will give you a book list because I I don't want to. Yes. I'll put that in the description of the episode. Yeah, I think that would be great. But I really think that. So what I'm going to say now is that when you first start doing this, this is so uncomfortable and so unusual because ego tries to keep you safe in the old patterns that you are really used to. 
So what I tend to do sometimes is when I have to say sorry or if I have to say, hey, I was wrong, and that for a lot of people is really quite difficult after they've maybe been in a fairly heated argument, is I practice that conversation beforehand. Say I'm in the car and I'll say, hey, look, I'm really sorry, I got it wrong and I'm really sorry I I behaved in that way. And just actually saying that beforehand and and. I find that that's a really good strategy to start with if if that's where you're at with your relationship. And that's not just an intimate relationship, that's even family. Um, but it is, it really does come down to how prepared you are to, if I can swear right now, to owning your own shit. And at the end of the day, like if you're not even able to go in and kind of go, hey, where's my 50% in this? Because you definitely had a 50% contribute contribution to the scenario that you're in as I said you co-create life life doesn't happen to you 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 create it so you've really got to have the ownership of of um how you ended up where you are um so that's some big work for some people just to even start in that space and I think you know having ownership um and being self-accepting of the fact that you need to work on yourself Mm. um and seeking information and like what I said practicing you know, doing these things and working on them um, is so important. And I think when it comes to mental health, there's no black and white answer to any solution because every situation is so different. But the message that I'm getting from you is that if you're willing to work on yourself and once you start exploring these things, I feel like the the, the journey will just grow and grow and one thing will lead to another. And with the right support and advice and guidance, of course, the path to working on these things will become clearer. And by making sure or, or avoiding old patterns and the old way of doing things as well will, will be key. That's right. And I, I, I really love this, this nothing changes if nothing changes. And that's something that I like to tell my clients and my students. So if you want to stay in the way that you're doing things, that's 100% okay. That's that's you and that's your de- decision. But if you want something different, the change has to come from within. And I, I, I started off with my students in the lived experience peer workspace this year and I am so proud to see a lot of my students at the end of, of end of their cert that the, the amount of growth that they've had even in just that level of self-awareness and accountability and integrity in this space. And they've walked out of my classroom completely different mindset and it's, it's, quite, it's quite empowering, yeah. I was literally just about to ask you um, if there were any examples that you're willing to share uh, of people that you know where they, they did have some serious issues or some significant old pattern behaviour that they were able to work on. Um, but, you know, even, even that, what I figured is just the students learning and realising these things, as you said. Yeah, that's right. And, and that's that's the exciting part about it is that they can see the change within themselves. And I think that once you actually get started and once you push past um, that ego trying to keep you safe in the old way of doing things, that you actually realise it's not that scary anymore um, when you start to do things differently. The amount of freedom that I've had with letting go of so much of this old stuff that used to hold me back has been just incredibly life-changing for myself. And um, it's I think the word free is just feeling free because you then get a chance to sort of look inward, reflect, and go, okay, I'm viewed as how I respond, so how do I actually look at this scenario and where am I responding from? 
and then actually then sort of having more control over um, and how your life sort of, I guess, you know, how you integrate into life with who, how you respond to things. So, yeah. And like what you said, nothing changes if nothing changes. Mm, that's it. And Phoebe, if anybody wanted to get in contact with you or to learn more about what you're currently working on, what would you say would be the best way for them to do that? Yeah, um, through my LinkedIn would probably the, be the best, which is just my name. You should be able to find me through that with um, the lecturing and title and whatnot. Yes, that sounds good. And I'll put to your LinkedIn and uh, the description of those books in the description of this episode as yeah, well. Yeah, thank you. Yep, there's accountability for me. Yep, I'll get that, <laughs> I'll get that to you. And lastly, Phoebe, I like to finish all my episodes off with a dad joke and this oh, one's a good one awesome well i think it is i mean i think they're all good <laughs> but why do crabs never share their lobsters oh dear I have... <laughs> I don't know. because they're shellfish <laughs> love a good crab joke oh dear what if people don't laugh michael what if people don't laugh at you <laughs> well i think half the time people laugh out of pity yeah. and the other half just... they laugh because it's yeah. actually funny yeah, yeah. Well, i'm just like oh my god i'm uncomfortable yeah no that's good <laughs> Well, because it's a dad joke, it's okay if you don't laugh. Exactly. I think when I tell people I it's a dad joke, they it. don't expect it. it to be funny. So I'm sort of managing yeah, that yeah, expectation yeah, yeah, yeah. straight away. <laughs> 100%. I love it. You're pre-framing it before it's the, the fail. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> well, thank you so much for your time, Phoebe. I really appreciate your time. Um, I know it's a topic that you're so passionate about and you could talk about it for hours. So yeah. thank you for squeezing it in the time that we do have. <laughs> yeah. No worries. Thanks so much for having me. It's been a real great time. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for joining us on Sharing More Than The Sheets. Please make sure you subscribe to be updated with future episode releases and feel free to share this episode with any friends or family that you think it might benefit. Please visit us at sharingmorethanthesheets.com.au to submit questions or requests for future podcast topics. These podcasts have been brought to you by Better Financial Planning Australia. To book a 15-minute phone chat, visit betterfinancialplanning.com.au.